has just been left there unattended so there will have to be some policy on that and I see that there will be need for people uh, to do that work that will be very necessary and a um, number of people have expressed interest in it so we're exploring the possibility of putting a school in in at the castle in Ballantubber it has great support and um, yeah it, it, hopefully the meeting will be in September and uh, we'll see how it goes and, and take it from there well, for someone like myself listening in who doesn't understand about the eye, like, does the ivy do structural damage? Is it from that standpoint? Oh, it can, of course, yeah. Oh, it can, yeah, yeah, most definitely, you know, because if they let go for much longer in Ballant it would be, yeah, I believe it would, from what I'm told, you know. And there are other many buildings around the uh, county as well that, uh, you know, that ivy is a problem. And you see the finest of stone walls. And then, after a number of years, they're covered in ivy, you know. So, yeah. So, yes, there will have to be some policy on it, most definitely, yeah. It's funny how nature reclaims, doesn't it? Doesn't it just? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just yeah, yeah. What is the history, though, behind, or is it known about the history behind Ballantubber Castle? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. That, that's the building, uh, yeah, yeah, built in 1370. It's one of the unique castles. There's one similar to it over in, in Wales, all right, yeah. So and because of its significance with the High King, the last High King, last High King of Ireland, which governed the island of Ireland for the that celebration that we had on the traditional skills course, Beers O'Connor Nash launched that, and Michael Ring, the former uh, Minister for Rural Affairs, uh, now TD, he launched the works at the castle, and we we had thirty two. Uh, flags there, which I suppose were a celebration the life and times of the O'Connors when they ruled the the, the island of, of of Ireland. And uh, Roscommon, you know, played a very significant part in our country with, with Douglas Hyde and um, Father O'Flanagan, the first gentleman and of the of the doll, and um, and I could go on and on, you know, Percy French and so on. And uh, yes, there is an awful lot uh, to like about Ballantrubber Castle and its huge potential. And it's it's not just in Ballantrubber; it's not just in Roscommon. It's hugely in the national interest uh, that we carry out um, restoration work on the castle. So this is a a big plan uh, going forward. This is a conservation plan. Some some years ago, conservation management plan. So we'll be following that plan. I suppose it will be also updated uh, from time to time. And the messages that we get in from from abroad, from people that might have visited, that just to see it in the state, they just wouldn't be happy because you know they're they're read up on it and that sort of thing, and they know that it has that great uh, potential to be um, a great. Um, draw I suppose with regards to um, tourism and we know from all the American archaeologists uh, anthropologists that have visited the castle in over the, for the seven years that the program has gone on and, and the finding of a medieval town across the road from the castle very significant as well so that, I can see that program in Bonnetrubber going on for indeed a very long time and putting Roscommon on the map as well somebody or as we remarked recently you know that Christopher Columbus discovered America, but I think the Americans have now discovered uh, Roscommon. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I think it's because, like, I suppose the Americans are—they love castles. They do. They love castles. They're yeah. Obsessed with Ireland, and I think as well, if you're Irish, it's nearly like a pass into America in the sense that you, you know they'll always promote Irish. I think, isn't it? Oh yeah, they will. They will, of course. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it would be ideal if we could have somebody to play an ambassadorial role abroad. 
from the county and promote uh, Roscommon because we've been invited to many of the colleges where the students come from. So we're putting an open door in America and, you know, there's lots of tourists coming from America now, so it's just a matter of getting out there and having the drive uh, to do it. And, uh, this is it, I suppose, for any student who's studying archaeology. It's probably like a, such a find for them, isn't it? Oh, it is, yeah. It really is, yeah. And if, say, people want, like, is there tours people can book if they want to go and see all these things in Roscommon, or how can they book? Well, Pierce Connor Nash uh, proposed at our conference an excellent speaker, we gave an excellent presentation last April. Um, what he would be in favour of is that we have our own people in our county, in the towns and villages, that will that will be there ready to give people a walk, a talk, and give them the local history and um, that's something I think that we should most definitely follow up on it because in anything or in any business you know it's competitive I suppose and you have to have the edge on things so that if we can just be I suppose very proactive in, in those areas it will definitely uh, pay off you know I um, think so I suppose mm-hmm. online presence I think of things like that I suppose when people go because I suppose tourists they all research isn't it it's all online now so I suppose if they see that they do definitely yeah yeah Absolutely, yeah. Maps, now we can go anywhere. We can, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it is. Anyway. Uh, oh no, it certainly is. Yeah, indeed. Well, listen. Thank you so much, Tony, for coming in, guys. That was Councillor Tony Waldron, a fantastic advocate for the area of Roscommon, and is doing so much really, really appreciated work. And it's fantastic, Tony, what you're what you're doing. It's thank amazing. you very much. Thank yeah. you so much for coming. Pleasure any time. Yeah. Yeah. and telling us everything about the developments. So guys, I am joined by Tommy Murray, and Tommy Murray is a member of the Drama Group. So tell us, Tommy, what's happening with Drama Group this week? I understand there's a show Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night in the Arts Centre, Common. Yes, um, the play is entitled Alone Furrow, and uh, I wrote it in... Uh, 2019 and we put it on for three nights in the Arts Centre and it went very well it was booked out for the three nights so this is the 100th anniversary of Aline Cust receiving her diploma as a vet she fought the system for 20 years they would not allow her to sit the diploma when I said they I'm talking about the Royal Council of Veterinary Surgeons. Okay. So we're talking about a hundred years ago and over of course. Uh, but this is the hundredth anniversary of when they actually allowed her to sit the, her diploma and put veterinary surgeon after her name. Okay. Uh, and an enlightened vet from at League took her on as his veterinary assistant and defied the council and he he was threatened with expulsion and that he was bringing the reputation of the royal council into disrepute and but he persisted and she persisted and they ran a very successful practice in that league uh, for uh, a long time but maybe to go back to her beginnings and tell you a little bit about this Aline Cust she was born in Tipperary, uh, and her father was an agent for a landlord okay. called Barry uh, Smith Barry, and uh, he uh, died when she was rather young. Um, she was only about ten, 
when um, the father died and he was very fond of her and she was very fond of him but she loved animals and she spent most of her time in the farmyard uh, when uh, she lived in Tipperary as a child and um, her mother was um, if you like to call it an English aristocrat she worked in the royal court before they came to Ireland uh, but they loved Ireland and they loved the space that it gave their children those four boys and and and, uh, and two girls and uh, her aspiration was to be a vet okay. and the mother was horrified at this someone from the royal court and her her daughter wanted to be a, a, a vet, uh, so <laughs> there was a lot of uh, uh, angst about that. But the father died, and the mother had n no option but to take them all back to England because she had to vacate the house, that the, the landlord's house, so to allow a new agent to take the place. Anyway, she wanted to bring them back to England. Already the oldest boy was serving in the Navy and she wanted to get back to uh, her position in the Royal Court. So that all happened and they moved, the whole family. And time went by and she became an adult and uh, she even tried her hand at nursing but didn't like it. She, her love of animals persisted. And the mother was always horrified when, when she wanted to be this uh, vet. And um, the mother uh, objected strenuously, and she she didn't have the money to go to a veterinary college, yeah. and the mother wouldn't give it to her. Mm. But sadly, a brother of hers died, but he died without leaving a will, okay. and the result was that his estate was divided up amongst all the family, and she got her cut. And she got eight hundred pounds, and that was big money yeah. at that time. And she headed off for Edinburgh, hmm. veterinary college in Edinburgh, where an enlightened principal up there uh, decided to take a woman for the first time. Uh, it was all boys, all men, men, men that was that was there. She got a rough enough time up there, yeah. you know, a lot of innuendo and abuse from. Uh, her fellow students but she persisted again and she was brilliant at her studies she passed all her exams with no problem even the practicals she outdid the lads every time <laughs> so then she applied to sit the royal the diploma of the royal council of veterinary surgeons and she thought that'd be great now i'll have a veterinary surgeon but they refused to take her and they were quite annoyed and horrified that a woman should dare to apply <laughs> and uh, she uh, therefore uh, couldn't put veterinary surgeon after her name until she could sit the diploma so an enlightened vet from that league called William Byrne yeah. defied the council as I said earlier and took her on and uh, she became his veterinary assistant and they ran a practice in Roscommon and East Galway uh, and um, very successfully and she um, was a great veterinary surgeon for horses in particular 
So time went by, and sadly, William Byrne uh, got a sarcoma on his body, and uh, it killed him, even though the best services, medical services, were brought to bear. He yeah. died. So there she was. Um, he was gone, and uh, she picked up the pieces and uh, continued on. And she set up an office in in uh, Baligar, uh, yeah. and uh, she operated there for a while. But she was looking for a premises near at League, and she found one. Uh, and she just beside the village, on the edge of the village, and uh, she. Um, covered East Galway and Roscommon and was very successful uh, in her work and um, but I, I forgot to tell you that when she arrived in at League for the first time and the parish priest heard about it yeah. he came in high dungeon Stop. that a woman <laughs> given scandal to his parishioners uh, sh- should propose to be a vet and he he, he said to them, I'm going to condemn you off the altar. Wow. Uh, and he did. But it didn't have any effect. Any As William said, um, in this part of Roscommon, we always like to be a little bit again the government, <laughs> and, uh, whether it's church or state. <laughs> or state. <laughs> a little bit yeah. rebellious. So uh, it didn't have any effect. Uh, in fact, it may have... Uh, brought more <laughs> more mm. people into the practice than Absolutely. <laughs> anyway uh, so that, that's something about her, her story when the first world, uh, world war broke out yeah. she um, stayed in that league for the first year vetting horses that were being bought for the war um, and um, her love of horses then she began to think about all the horses out at the front pulling the guns out of the muck and yeah. this kind of work. So she packed her automobile and drove and got her boat and drove down to the front and worked there for three years looking after those horses. So her health was a little bit damaged when the war ended. But, and after a, a time uh, resting, she came back to a league and picked up pieces again yeah. but she found things had changed the war uh, 1916 had happened and the war of independence okay. had broken out and um, um, people that well certain sectors not not everybody um, were suspicious of her because she was with the British yes. uh, and uh, so um, they made an attempt at one occasion to burn down her house and steal her automobile and she defied them with a shotgun. <laughs> and, and they backed off. Yeah. They took the vehicle, all right. But she yeah. saved the house saved and the saved house. her practice. But then she found that things had changed and she was in ill health anyway and running a big, a large animal practice, you know. Yeah. So she retired. And uh, she sold everything and moved to England in 1924. And uh, but she, in the meantime, she received her diploma. They allowed her to sit because a law was passed in the British Parliament that no woman could be deprived of any job because she was a woman. And that was the first step 
uh, uh, so she fought the long fight and uh, so she uh, the, the veterinary um, body honours her this year uh, they had a conference in Mount Bellew Agricultural College and their uh, keypack uh, put on a day in her memory uh, last week so uh, the play then is part of this so the play then is taking place in uh, at the Arts Centre Thursday, Friday and Saturday of this week so anybody out there that would like a ticket can uh, you know call into the Arts Centre or ring them or do it online uh, and uh, it, the play um, captures I hope um, the main story of her life and uh, uh, the drama that she went through and uh, so um, uh, it should be a, uh, it should be a good night a good night's entertainment uh, as well as telling a very interesting story absolutely so, so we, I look we look forward to putting it on uh, as I said it was put on three years ago uh, and uh, it had been booked out um, eight days before the first performance so uh, we're hoping that uh, there'll be a bit at this time of the year it's difficult okay. the play has been directed by Tom Costello yeah. a member of the group and his co-director is Bridging Fitzmaurice uh, another old a long-standing member of the group and uh, they found it difficult during the summer uh, rehearsing plays is a winter occupation I'd imagine, uh, imagine so and uh, in the summer you know one person is going on holidays and another person is coming back and there was a couple of little uh, outbreaks of COVID, a couple of people, and trying to get a steady group together to rehearse a play, a a full-length play, was a difficult task. But they did it and uh, it's ready. I was at a rehearsal uh, on Sunday and... uh, it's getting into very good shape and it's something uh, that I think people will enjoy. Absolutely. And is there many actors in the play? There is about 20 in the play. Uh, And you'd say that's a very big number in the cast, but because it tells a linear story from when she was a child right up through her life until she eventually left Ireland... There has to be, by nature, then, a fairly big cast because, you know, the actors who play the part of her father and mother, uh, when they've finished, when that part of her life is finished, then new actors appear when they move to England and then when she came back to the league, you know, the, as I tell you about the parish priest arriving in High Dungeon <laughs> and so on. So... The actors, that's why there's so many actors that, uh, in the play. And. Uh, Absolutely. And doors open at. 8 o'clock sharp. Eight o'clock. And they have a policy in the Arts Centre that once a, a show starts, uh, you can't get in until the interval. Okay. So uh, people would be advised to come Go here. Yeah, and make sure <laughs> that. Uh, 
they're there in time. Otherwise, they have to sit out the first half out in the lounge. Out in the lounge. <laughs> and guys, like that, no yeah. one wants to be the late one. Too, e- yes, yes. Halfway through the show, absolutely. Yeah. And guys, if you want to get your tickets, you can contact the Arts Centre in Roscommon. It, again, a fantastic facility amenity in the locality of Roscommon. Beautiful stage setting and they're so friendly. And I suppose there's refreshments as well available, I'd say, on the night. Yes, indeed, there is. Yes, and uh, the um, the uh, booking number is, uh, of course, the local one is 0966, uh, uh, and then 25824 would be the number to ring f- to book a ticket. Uh, but uh, it, that can be done online uh, over the phone uh, with your card, and there is um, an online uh, address www.roscommonartscentre.ie and again you could book um, uh, that way as well well thank you so much Tommy for coming in this morning 